Flannery uh, O'Connor, she was a writer in the last century, Catholic writer from the South, and she told the story about her dad, uh, who, was a, who was a farmer. And the, the dad uh, would go out into the field uh, and work, and work hard. And then he would, uh, at lunch, uh, do his ritual, eat a little bit out there. But his favorite thing was uh, to smoke his favorite pipe. This is kind of lunch break. So he was out there one day, and she, and she saw him. She was with him, and he took out the pipe and put it between his teeth, and then reached into his pocket uh, for the pouch of tobacco, this leather pouch. And as he grabbed it, he had this look on his face like, uh-oh. And he pulled it out, this old le weathered leather uh, thing, and, and he's squeezing it, and he rips it open, and it's, it's empty. He forgot to fill it. And he turns it inside out, and he's trying to get whatever little tobacco is in there, and there's hardly anything. Certainly not, not enough to smoke a pipe or to fill a pipe. So, And he stops for a second and realizes, I, I can't smoke my pipe. And, he, and she goes, he flew into a titanic rage. And he ripped the, the pouch and pulled it apart and threw it on the ground and he took his pipe and he smashed it against the tree that he was standing next to. Just rage. And she's just like horrified. And then all of a sudden he stopped and he realized what he had done. And she goes, he never smoked a pipe ever again. And then she, her final words in the story were, now that is a true man. Okay. That is a true man. Let's talk about that. Not just for the men, but for the women too. All right? Not that you smoke pipes, but, uh, or if you do, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> just, just a little different, that's all. <laughs> Uh, let's put it in this context. Have you ever, like, you're in your spiritual groove where you're praying every day and you're just doing so well? And, you know, it's, you look forward to it, that kind of thing. And, and all of a sudden it's gone. And you're like, what happened? I was doing so well with the Lord and now it's gone. And it's like, I, I, for me, I always know when I'm in a good spiritual space. Like when I get up in the morning and I get my coffee and I, go, I head right down to my chapel. We have a little chapel in the basement. I, go, I head right down to my chapel in the rectory and, and I do my holy hour, first thing. It's like I can't wait to see him. I, I get my, my coffee and I, it's my uh, Java with Jesus hour, my coffee with Christ. We have a great time. But then there are other days I'll wake up and I'll, it, it's like all I can do that I don't want to go down there. I don't want to pray, and so I putz around, and I try to find all these different things to do. I'm, I'm rearranging my sock drawer. I'm, you know, uh, hanging my clothes up, or, you know, I'm, feed, I'm feeding my bird feeder, or filling my bird feeder, and, 
or I have to go onto my pad so I can check the weather, even though I was just outside and I know exactly what the weather was because I was filling my bird feeder, you know? Uh, I don't want to pray. It's like, yesterday was awesome. Today, it's, 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 it's all effort. What happens? That things get so out of whack spiritually in our life. That the one who gets the best gets the worst. That the one who loves us the most gets the least love from us. Our spiritual life, huh? And so, I, I want to maybe delve into this a, a little bit today. That what, what gets into us that things become more important than God? Huh? Complete reversal of the way they're supposed to be. A pipe becomes an idol. Tobacco becomes an idol. Uh, my, my iPad becomes an idol. And the things that should be the focus of our worship become afterthoughts. Do you ever get to the end of the day and you, and you realize that you haven't spent one minute with Christ, with, with Jesus? You maybe did prayer at dinner, but that's it? Has that ever happened to you? And, and it's... And it's something that needs to be attended to. It's, 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 it's dangerous to let it go. Bishop O'Neill, I don't know if you ever remember him. God rest his memory. He was bishop for a long time. Uh, he, uh, he ordained me. It was the last one he ordained before he retired. And he figures, all right, I, I ordained uh, Deutsch, so I, I bet that's, that's, it's over now, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and, and he said this to us as a seminarian. Yeah, I remember him saying this to us. He said, you know, in the 60s, late 60s, a lot of guys left. He goes, as a bishop, uh, I've had a number of guys come to me who have left the priesthood. And the first question I ask them when they come and they tell me that they want to leave is, when did you stop praying the briefery? When did you stop praying? And he goes, you know what? Every one of them could pinpoint the time that they stop praying or stop praying their bravery, which is a prayer that priests promise to pray when they get ordained, and deacons promise to pray when they get ordained. So that lack of attention to that critical aspect of their life, which is God and worship, was absent, and it all fell apart. And that's the same, not just for priests, that's for you, and it's everybody. Do you know that it takes uh, three months to make a habit? Are you aware of this? To correct something in your life, it takes three months. So let's say, all right, I want to get up every morning, and the first thing I want to do is pray. Well, that goes against our fallen nature, which is to idolize ourselves and only take care of ourselves. That's, that's not doing Java with Jesus, but that's, that's spending an hour on my iPad and realizing that I just wasted that whole hour when I should have been praying, right? That's our, nat our natural default because the sin, original sin, is not God, it's ourselves. And so it takes three months to rework that wiring. 
So in a sense, for me to get into a habit of getting up first thing in the morning and going right to the chapel, it takes three months of doing that every single day before it becomes part of who I am, part, part of breathe. It's like breathing. It becomes, it's, it's done with ease. It's called virtue. It takes three months to create a habitual thing in your life which is virtuous, three months. It takes three months to overcome something which is not virtuous. Maybe, you know, you've got an afternoon ritual of you know, sitting down and watching TV and having a glass of wine and some Gardettos and cheese. That's pretty specific, isn't it? <laughs> it takes, it will take, and, you, and this is your habit, your ritual. It takes three months to get that out of your system. Now, what's, what's, what are we talking about? Well, this whole thing with the steward today, the effort this guy expends on trying to maintain a dishonest life, uh, his friendship with dishonest wealth, we all have this. And when we are called by God to get our spiritual life right, it takes a lot of work. And it, it has, it's something that has to be done continuously in order for it to become habitual and virtuous. What does St. Thomas Aquinas say? Happiness is the proper exercise of the faculties of the soul according to the life of the virtues. Now, what am I saying? What, is, what are the faculties of the soul? Intellect and will. How I think and how I act. The proper exercise of the faculties of the soul, my intellect and will, the proper exercise of how I think and how I act according to the life of the virtues. Now, what is virtue? Virtue is a habit. Faith, hope, love, prudence, courage. Those are the virtues. We've got to practice them every single day until how I think and how I act is done in such a way that I'm happy and that the Lord is happy with me, huh? Daily decisions to put God first, how I think and how I act, done over an extended period of time, gets the bad stuff out and creates a life of virtue within me so that I can be the happy man. That is a true man as Flannery O'Connor said. Let's put it another way. There are three levels to reality. God, people, and things. Anybody want to argue with that? God, people, things. Now in that delineation, God, people, things, there are, th there are three specific behaviors, all right? God is infinitely greater than people and infinitely greater than things. People are infinitely less than God, but infinitely greater than things. And things are not so great as God and not so good as people. There is a priority. 
God has always got to be first. And that whole reordering of ourselves, that whole three-month slog of working it out and getting it out and rewiring our system to do the virtuous thing with ease is about giving God the best, the first fruits. He's number one. I get up in the morning, and he's the first thing I think about. He is better than my family. He's better than my spouse. He's better than my kids. He's better than my friends. And he's certainly better than any of the things in my life with which I have been blessed. God is first. And boy, is that hard to get because we got all of us like, what do you mean? He's better than my kids? Yes. Of course he is. He's God. And the amount of effort and thought and love you pour into your children and your spouse needs to be subordinated to the amount of love and energy and attention you give to God. That's the proper order of things. And when we don't get that right, our lives are not right and we cannot be truly happy. So, how do we respond to this priority of reality? God, people, things. We worship God, we love people, and we use things. And, and worshiping God means I don't worship people and I don't worship things. And how often do we do that? Where our technology or our rituals or uh, relationships become idols. Smash them and put God back on the pedestal where he belongs. We do not worship people and we do not worship things. We worship God alone. Number one. Number two, that we love people and we use things. We love people, use things. How often do we use people and love things? We use people and we love things. That has to be rewired. Love people, use things. Things are there for the benefit of the people that we serve and the God that we worship. All right. Finally, number three, we use things in such a way that it gives glory to God and love to people. We use things to the benefit of God and the people in our life that we love. This is the life. This is the life that all of us are called to live. And this is the life that Jesus is saying, what am I going to do with you? I love that line. What is this I hear about you? You use people, you forget God, and you love things. Knock it off. You cannot be possibly happy. Three months of the proper exercise of the faculties of the soul, thinking and acting according to the life of the virtues. And I just gave you God, people, things. Worship God, love people, use things. You get that right, you get everything right in your life. And it's done not by coercion, but by God's grace and love, he has changed your heart. So it isn't something you are told to do. It becomes like breathing. It is done with ease. It is who you are, the new man. Or as Flannery O'Connor would say, that 
is a true man. And that, brothers and sisters, can be you.